What if every day you had the chance to experience more love and intimacy in your life? We're going to be sharing stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. Enjoy this podcast with Dawn Richard. Wake up to real love. Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn. And this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs and love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I am super excited today to meet my friend and colleague, an amazing artist. Uh, you're so beautiful, Heather Beekler. She is an incredible incredible talent, multi-talented woman. She is a Boston-based artist whose vibrant abstract paintings are based on interconnectivity and spirituality, which if you've listened to me, you know I'm all about that. (laughs) She's originally trained in drawing and fibers, and then Heather switched to painting as a way to merge her art and spiritual practice. And I feel like this is just the more fullest expression of you, Heather. Welcome, Heather. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. We have a crazy story, but be, but before um, we talk about our story, I just want I just wanted to acknowledge um, your little fun friend that you found on the Boston street the other night, <laughs> dancing in the street, running in the street. He's a transvestite, wasn't it? Oh, <laughs> a yes. drag queen. A drag queen. There was a drag show to promote the South End holiday stroll so it was outdoors because we can't have events and usually we have a big outdoor holiday market so instead this year we had to kind of rebrand because of right. COVID. So right. super fun drag show out of the street families came out john was with me everyone came out we had it was it was so much fun it was a great time it looked like a blast i, I love those drag queens they're so fun and entertaining Oh my God. Like, yes. And it's so fortunate that, you know, because of the COVID she's literally out just performing in the South end of Boston to, you know, get people out to promote different events. It's fantastic. Betty bottom official Boston. Oh, it's so fun. I think that's the beautiful thing about being in the art world is the many, many different ways that people express themselves. Well, that is so true. I mean, you know, I've just been realizing recently, you know, a lot of people kind of say like, oh, artists aren't important, you know, pandemic. And it's like, uh, well, you know, it's just Boston's very good about making sure that artists have a lot of funding. But I do have a lot of artist friends that are struggling, you know, because we don't have shows right now. But it's like, you know, anyone that's ever listened to music, watched a movie, read a book, those are all artists. So art beauty and joy to your life. Yeah. I cannot imagine life without art. Right. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it is that it's everywhere. And whether you're an opera person or someone that, you know, likes to go around cities to see all the wonderful, amazing murals and graffiti artists, art is everywhere. Well, and I, and I feel like our earth is the biggest landscape art in the world. You know, like every, every time I see a sunset, every time I take a walk by the lake and see the light shining you know, on the lake, I mean, seeing the, the, the leaves, individual leaves and the trees and these beautiful flowering buds, it's like, there's art all around us. 
beauty. Right, and it's beauty, we're the so beauty lucky. of life. It's so true. And we're so lucky here in Boston because of, you know, all the beautiful fall colors that we have in New England. Mm-hmm. And you're right about the light right at sunset when you see that, you know, the sky gets kind of pink and some of the Boston fall leaves that are turning yellow, bright reds, orange. It's just to see the shimmering light on all the leaves. Yeah. Beauty is all around us. Mm-hmm. So tell me, okay, we're in your studio, which, which when I, when I release this podcast audio, <laughs> you won't be able to see it, but it'll be on YouTube and you're in your studio right now. And your art is really, really incredible. How long have you had your studio? And, and, and I want to know about your um, transformation because you went through your own creative transformation. Right. So my background is actually in drawing and fibers. And how I got here, I'll, I'll, I'll go first with how I got to painting. So I did figure to drawing for about 15 years. Yes, this is a self-portrait. I did get LASIK, and at the time, I spent a lot of time out the sun, so my hair was a lot lighter. But I basically did, you know, I have hundreds and hundreds of drawings. And then a few years back, you know, part of my work was about expressive mark making and multiple pieces. Uh And oddly, I just kind of lost the expressive mark making. Mm. And, you know, some friends at the time you know, I was studying Buddhism at the time and I had started to do some drawings of some Buddhas, you know, to get rid of my infamous card of karmic debt on canvas. And I was painting the back of the canvas to have a really slick substrate for drawing. And some friends noticed, like, I was struggling with the drawings and they said, why don't you try paintings? Your backgrounds are really interesting. And I was like, well, sure. I mean, I, I don't know that much about painting, but it's been a great way to integrate my artwork with my spiritual practice. I, I was so the paintings are essentially loosely based on interconnectivity and spirituality. I was thinking about that when you were when when you were talking about your drawings. Like, was your spirituality a part of your drawings? Like, even before you started studying Buddhism, did you notice it, that inner that connection? Well, I think that that there would always be some kind of connection, especially since so much of my work was self-portrait. So it's basically a reflection of me. Uh And no matter what artwork I always put out, I always just say, like, I'm either trying to educate people or send light and love out into the universe. Mm -hmm. So that's always been a focus of my work. Mm -hmm. And so... I mean, this is, this is fascinating to me because I don't, I haven't painted. I mean, I painted with my kids, you know, that's, I painted with my kids and I, I remember taking this class when I was in middle school, like how to draw a, a square, a home, you know, a three-dimensional home. It was like, I'm so far out of the realm of art. I mean, my art is dance. <clears throat> that's my, that's my expression. But, but painting to me, it's like, when I, when I look at your art, I just feel this huge soul. Like I was just, I was just looking at things going, I just see deep, deep soul in your paintings. Well, thank you. I mean, I hope that is what most people experience. I think that most people, when they come into my studio, because I do open a lot to the public, 
they immediately sense a feeling of tranquility and calmness. Mm -hmm. And I think people are really drawn to that because especially right now, I mean, even pre the COVID, we were living in very stressful times. So artwork based on interconnectivity and trying to send love and light out into the universe really appeals to people. Mm -hmm. I want to know about how healing your art has been for you personally. Oh, wow. That is a really great question because I've always allowed myself either periods that I'm not working and then I have periods that I'm working like basically around the clock. And I always allow myself to just let whatever comes out needs to come out there. So just for example, you know, during these stay at home orders, I brought some paper and some oil sticks home and was doing some drawings like the one that I was, you know, basically did for 15 years, the figurative drawing. And it was just more like to kind of get out some of this angst. Um, And also, you know, I think that there's so many times like that I'll, I'll start my painting process. I will start every painting with a meditation and I practice Reiki on myself and the canvas and so, you know, especially when I first started coming after the state of home orders, my work was very aggressive and kind of not my style of tranquil, calm art. And so I just let all that come out. I just let it come out on all the canvases. And then after I felt like I got all that angst and nervousness about everything that's happening in the world, I came back in and those canvases where I had already gotten kind of some of that energy out, I just continued to work on them to soften them a bit and to bring them in line with what is my current purpose of sending love and light out into the world through my art. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it would be really, really important for people to be able to express that angst and anxiety though. I mean, this is, this is one of the the things that I really um, am, am an advocate of because I feel like a lot of times we are, we are so suppressed with our emotions and we don't have a healthy way to express it. And so that's why I think your work is so beautiful because it is so expressive. It's like you can, you can see different emotions in, in the different pieces and I think also if you had looked back through my entire career, because I've been selling and showing artwork for almost 27 years, I started uh, showing and selling when I was about 18. Uh-huh. You can definitely see there's different periods. Mm-hmm. And I always just think no matter what, just to let whatever it is that needs to come out, you know, whether, you know, I'm feeling dark and sad. So I put on the cure disintegration, one of my favorite albums and just paint. Sometimes you just need to, let it out and listen to some very emotive music and let all that come out. Mm-hmm. So like you, you for dancing or someone that gardens, I think it's really important at this point to, for everyone to have some kind of outlet. Yeah. I, I think that a lot of people don't think that they're creative, you know, because they say, Oh, oh I can't, Oh, I can't paint or, Oh, I can't sing like John, the opera singer who's helping us <laughs> video this today. So thank you, John, for being here. Um, but you know, people, people think I, I can't create, you know, like I'm more logical, I'm more, you know, sort of structured or whatever, but it's like, do you cook a meal ever? Do you make a PowerPoint for work? Do you, um, you know, build furniture? I mean, there are so many different ways to be creative that I think 
this is why when people say, you know, the arts, the arts aren't important. It's like the art is everything. Right. Absolutely. And I feel like the more, the more you open yourself up to creativity, it's like, are you familiar with the artist's way? The book, the artist's way? I have. Yeah. That, I think I read that in college and went through the workbook. Yeah. So it's the spiritual pathway to higher creativity. And so it's right. like all of these, all of these things that like, for instance, for me, I would love to paint someday. I'm going to, I'm going to learn how to paint. Um, it's like, you know, inside of me somehow. And you think, oh, I'd really love to learn how to play the guitar or whatever it is that you think, oh, well, maybe I'll never do it, but this sounds kind of cool. I think it's these, these aspects of yourself that are unexplored. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I've noticed when people are staying home that it is really great to see people get so creative with their cooking, gardening. I have a good friend who's learning how to play the fiddle. I have friends oh, wow. who are learning, you know, Spanish, you know, French. It's like, you know, there's opportunities to take your mind off of everything that's going on and still be uh-huh. creative and have an outlet. Uh-huh. So do you have, do you have a favorite piece? Yes, I, I actually have brought it out. So... So Divinity, this is one of my favorite pieces. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Part of the story behind it was that there's a painting underneath it. And it was essentially a painting that just did not work. And so the next day when I came into the studio, I thought, you know, the painting didn't really work. I'm just going to paint over it. I already destroyed the canvas. So I'm just going to have fun Uh and explore and try something new. And I think there was something about that unattachment, which also comes back to the Buddhism because I ruined the canvas, so I was unattached to it. And then by far, the painting that I was just having fun and fooling around because of the canvas became one of my very favorite paintings because I think there was something so freeing about that unattachment. It's very um, higher chakra. Oh, thank you. I love that. Uh-huh. That's what actually, yeah. uh, clearing chakra exercise before we started this. Oh, cool. And to feel centered. Uh-huh. That's what, that's when I see that, that's what it is. It's like, it's all up here. It's beautiful. It's like your, it's your complete connection. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's gorgeous. So how, I want to know why you started studying Buddhism. You know, it just seems like a really good fit for me. I was brought up as a Lutheran and that did not seem like a fit. Um, My parents, you know, as we got older, you know, didn't make us continue and allowed us to develop our own beliefs and spiritual systems and Buddhism, you know, as a philosophy, as, you know, unattachments, do no harm to others, practice kindness, you know, take care of the planet, you know, meditate, sit still. Those are all concepts that I was just on board with. And it seems to be a spiritual philosophy that really fits for me. Mm -hmm. And do you still study it? You know, at this point, I feel like I just kind of developed my own spiritual practice that works for me. 
And I do start every painting with a meditation and I'm a Reiki level one healer. So after the meditation, I always practice Reiki on myself and the canvas. And then I pretty much just ask the universe to help me to make something that's beautiful and meaningful for someone else. And then the artistic flow kind of takes over where I think that when I'm in making art, there is the artist side of my brain that is maybe subconsciously thinking about color, composition, what will work in a painting. But then there's also like being in the flow of spirituality and maybe what does someone else need and how is this painting going to enrich their lives? Because I truly believe that each of my paintings, there's someone out there that that painting was made for. And whether they come into my studio tomorrow or five years down the road, each painting has a home. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did meet this artist a few years ago, and I was lucky enough to visit his home where most of his art was. I mean, he had uh-huh. some pieces in, in the gallery, but he had all of these pieces at home. And um, there was one one painting in particular, I was like, that was that was made for me. I mean, I haven't bought it, I, but I plan sometime because it's, you know, big and it's a lot of money. Uh, um, but it's like, I feel like, that was the one that I was drawn to immediately, you know, and, and it's so, and I, and I think this is the fascinating thing. Like even, even our meeting, like all of these synchronistic things that you don't understand what's going on in the moment that later it makes sense. Exactly. That's why I always say the universe has a better plan than I ever could imagine for myself. I just need to get out of my own way yeah. and just allow the miracles to happen me. Yeah. How did you, um, for, for those of people who don't know, can you explain a little bit about Reiki and how, and how that, um, how that enhances your own creativity? So Reiki is essentially a older Japanese technique that has been passed down, uh, where your master teacher actually tunes you into Reiki. So Reiki essentially means love. So anytime, since I'm a Reiki level one healer, you know, there are masters that can send love and light and Reiki out into the world. And so with me being a Reiki level one, it's just that I start every piece with that intention of sending out love. Mm -hmm. So what can you... (laughs) I'm just fascinated because I don't know anything about painting. So, so even like the, the divinity that you just showed us, you said it was, it was garbage, quote unquote, you know, it was a trashed, useless piece of canvas that you didn't like how it turned out. But what do you do like to take the first brush and the first color? Like, what is that? What is that process like? Wow, that's a great question. I remember when I was in college, I had a professor who said, don't be afraid to start your painting and just do a big black mark right down the center. And then you start it. (laughs) But I think, you know, it's interesting because when I start my practice after I've meditated and practiced Reiki, you know, there's sometimes an intent that I think is going to happen where many times Times I come into the studio and I'll think, you know what, today I'm going to do a, a, a red painting. And then it finishes and it is blue and teal. So what? I also think there's something. About, yeah, that there's one, something that one being behind you. Was that one behind you? Seriously, it started off being red? 
It was my intention. <laughs> but I said that sometimes when you are in the artist creative flow, it is almost like when you're in true flow, it's like I sometimes forget to eat, drink, go to the bathroom, like daily things, because you yeah. just get into the flow for such long periods of time. Right. right. So that's why I say that sometimes when you're in the flow, like if I had mixed up a huge thing of red and then I didn't use it, but then after, you know, I've worked on this piece and I'm like, oh my God, it's done. It's telling me that it's done. And then I was like, okay, the red was not meant to go in there because I've had the experience where sometimes I'll mix up colors and it's almost like I, I didn't see that they were there. And then I finish a piece and I'm like, Oh Jesus, I, I didn't even use that phthalo blue, but it, the piece was not meant to have that blue. It was something about when you're in the flow and maybe the artwork is just telling me it wasn't supposed to have that phthalo blue. <laughs> and do you work on pieces simultaneously? Because that because I would wonder if, for instance, if you have this red and then you end up doing all of this blue, that maybe maybe this is a different design, right? So I don't know, do you, when you work on one piece, do you just focus on that one piece or do you sort of flow between based on, I don't know, what's coming up for you in the moment? That's a great question. I usually have quite a few pieces that I'm working on at the time. So I usually will start each piece. I'm a perfectionist and I make my own floater frame. So I usually... But I do like in the floater, uh, floating frames, I do that outside of the canvas all in black. And then I'll actually start the piece. And then there's that process where I'm maybe working on different pieces. You know, it has to dry for about six weeks and then I'll varnish it to protect it from UV light and dust. And it's basically an archival thing so that the piece will last. And then I build the float, uh, floated frame. So it's quite a big span of time that's happening over that. Mm-hmm. So usually I will have quite a few pieces that I'm working all at once in different stages. Mm-hmm. Do you want to, um, do you want to talk about your installation that you're working on that, that the Boston is funding <laughs> the city of Boston is funding yeah, I'd love to talk about that. So um, these two pieces right here are the first in a project. How big are they? Well, uh, they're 36 by 48. They're uh-huh. acrylic and resin panel. So since my artwork is based on me kind of getting into a meditative, meditative state, my proposal uh-huh. for the city is if I'm going to work in resin, which has a very, very short pot life, it's essentially two chemicals that you mix together. You have to be very precise. And then that seals to a hard plastic like epoxy resin. So the pot life, the amount of usage that I have time to work is very small because if I'm working on a painting, I have the time to get into a meditative headspace. I have the time to work on it, rework on it, come back another day. But if I'm working in acrylic and resin, I just have basically 10 to 15 minutes before the mm-hmm. resin starts to solidify and I can't use it. So my proposal to the city was that since my artwork is based on me getting into that meditative state, can I do that within the time frame? of the pot life of the resin. So these are two of the first projects. My project was funded for five large scale resin pieces. And ultimately what I hope for is that after I finish the project that they can be shown together 
in some sort of um, calming, tranquil space, maybe have like meditation cushions set up, have calming chanting music playing in the background. Mm. I would love it if they made it into Boston Mayor Gallery at City Hall because my funded, my project was funded by City Hall. It just would right. kind of be like a nice close to the whole thing. So I've got two out of the five pieces done. They're amazing. How, Thank how, you. How long did, did each piece take you like that to complete? Well, to complete. So uh, whenever I get the wood panel, you know, there's always a day that's just busy work, you know, uh, putting polyurethane on the sides to protect the piece, um, getting it ready because, you know, you don't want dust or anything to get into your work. So then there's that. And then I just, you know, practice my meditation and start working and also, you know, so then, you know, I'll work on the piece and actually get it finished. And, so, you know, there's sometimes that things just work immediately. And I'm also a perfectionist. So I very, I get very, like I tape up the sides. And so I, there's a, there's a timing component because the resin is sealing to a plastic, but I've taped the sides so that the resin isn't going on to this beautiful wood board. Mm-hmm. So there's the timing where I'm just waiting where I can take the tape off and hopefully not get any drips. Cause I am a bit of a perfectionist with my artwork in terms of presentation that I always want to be seen as a professional. So that's why I, from start to finish with me building my own frames, I just, I like the cohesiveness of all my pieces being framed, having the same kind of varnish, the same kind of polyurethane. theme. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What were you like as a kid? I was, well, I was always doodling, uh, creating little funny things. I just was always making things. I was also very sensitive, sensitive and emotional person, which I still am. But I think that mm-hmm. that's kind of what brings some of the beauty and emotive quality to my work. Uh-huh. Um, but art was always such a big part of my life. And, you know, even to the point where when I, my first two years of college, I actually did not declare a major because I kind of felt societal pressure of like, well, if you go to art school, that's not a real career. Mm-hmm. So I was tossing about, should I go to school for psychology or should I just dive in and go to school for my art? And it was the night before uh, I wasn't going to be able to register for any more classes because I had not declared a major. So basically the night before I had to declare a major to sign up for classes in college, I essentially said, universe, just tell me what I'm supposed to do. What am I supposed to go to college for? And I'm like, basically, you know, like a 20 year old kid, never shown, I've had, you know, had shown before, but had never sold anything. Mm -hmm. And that night I sold my very, very first painting at a coffee shop. It was only for $500, but I was like, that is a very clear sign from the universe that I'm supposed to go to school for art. And I just took the leap and did it. And I know that the statistics for art school grads is only about 10% of art school grads continue on to be a practicing artist. Because really? People, yeah. And so I feel like to be still a working practicing artist 27 years later, I made the right decision because I also think, you know, I just wanted to create the life that I love. And my dream was always just to travel, make art and spend time with loved ones. And I've pretty much been very fortunate to be able to create that life for myself. Do you, are your parents supportive of your art work? 
of you being an I artist? I am so fortunate that I have very supportive parents. Um, they have helped me with so many projects and always supported my career. They've come to, you know, openings with me. They have an entire collection that I did um, uh, one summer at their house. I just took a couple months off and just stayed at, they, at the time their basement was unfinished. So I just, you know, my dad had all this, um, he was in construction for 45 years. So he just had all this like wood and old house paints, all this crazy stuff in the garage that he was going to get, get rid of. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, so I have an entire series at my parents' house that was made from, you know, basically all that paint that was going to get thrown away and all that wood that was going to go to, you know, to the dump. So I have a, so I call it my Colorado flow series. So that is still at my parents' house. Um, and also when I say that I make my own floater flames, floater frames, my dad has a wood shop in his garage. So I'm so fortunate that dad cuts all the wood for me and wow. then ships them in boxes them together varnish bloom but I mean they are just the most gorgeous floater frames and also my dad built me I have this amazing uh huge workstation that my dad built me and it has storage underneath and also my work table he put it on wheels like wow it was so amazing when we went to Home Depot because we had we got the wood from Home Depot and he had all the cuts and measurements and he didn't mess up is like a single measurement like he just built the whole table and had it cut and everything I just my mind doesn't wrap around like how that's just amazing so I'm very fortunate that I have my parents you know supporting me on every single level and also my sister's husband is also an artist and he's an instructor at two different institutions in Seattle so it, it's really fun because it's fun for the whole family. We all really enjoy going out to art shows, museums, galleries. It is like a huge focus for my family. That's amazing. That's so amazing. Is your mom, is your mom an artist as well? Uh, well, she's an artist in many different ways. First of all, both my parents are amazing cooks. My mother is a amazing baker and she also has this really great sense of interior design, even though that's not her background uh-huh. and just, it, I mean, everything in their house looks beautiful and curated and they're also supporters of art. They buy a ton of original artwork from local, they live in Colorado from local Colorado artists. And they also have kind of um, a community of friends that are also artists. So they go to, uh, Loveland, Colorado, where they live is like a really well-known area for sculptures. So they go to all the sculpture shows, they go to art openings. Mm-hmm. So it's really fun to have like, like the entire family is so involved in art. That's, a, that's amazing to have that support. Cause I know a lot of times when you are a, a dancer and, you know, a musician, a painter that people are like, well, what are you going to do to make money? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yes, right. That's that's a great hobby that you have, but what are you going to do to support yourself? Right. Yeah. But, you know, I have to say, like, you know, when even though I'm now 45 years old and been in the art business for 27 years, every time I sell a piece, I always send my parents a little screenshot of the credit cards. We still want our parents to be proud of us no matter what. Of course, of course. Now, have you had have you had issues with partners, relationships that have not um, been as supportive of your artwork? 
I feel like for relationship wise, I've always had very supportive partners. Because I, I know when I had asked you, um, you know, cause I had sent you a form to ask you sort of about your family relationships growing up. And you said you did struggle, um, in some of your relationships, like not that people didn't treat you as well as you deserve to be treated. Right. Because I think that when, you know, unfortunately, sometimes as a younger person, especially for women that, you know, in your twenties, you haven't, at least for me, I didn't quite develop the self-worth and self-love. And so I kept repeating the pattern of dating people that basically were not worthy for me. So when I looked back at my relationships, I realized I'm kind of the common denominator in this equation of all these bad relationships. So it really made me focus on, well, I need to focus on love and self-worth to attract better people. Also, I think taking time to be single, um, just, you know, to do the things I wanted to do, like travel, make art, um, and just spending the time to develop that self-love and self-worth before I got back out and kept repeating the same patterns. And I also was very intentional about not trying to look for the same person, type of person and same pattern. Um, Just that I had the self-love and self-worth to have finally picked someone that we are in a mutually... um, equal relationship where we care for each other and support each other. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this is, this is the interesting thing for me personally. And it seems like you have a similar situation because it sounds like you grew up in a pretty secure family environment. You know, right. your, your parents are super supportive, very loving, very like encouraging of, I mean, my, my dad, <laughs> My dad used to say, your mom would go to a shit shoveling competition if you were in it, <laughs> you know, to, to support you in whatever you're doing. <laughs> and, uh, and I mean, the same would be true of him as well. But it sounds like you came from that, that type of environment. And yet I experienced similar things. It's like I ended up with people who weren't really treating me that well. It was like maybe they did for a while. Maybe they did for a moment. And then all of a sudden it was like something happened and I go, what, am I not enough? Like, did I not do something right? Or, um, you know, how can, and, and thinking like, well, it was about them because in a way it was about them and it was also about you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because I just continued to keep choosing the same type a person and repeating the same patterns. Mm -hmm. And so how, how have you used your art um, as a way to deepen your own self-love? I guess it's also part of just having the confidence and to keep doing what you love. I think that, you know, as a younger artist, at the time, you know, I did have some older males who said, you know, your work is derivative. It's not original. And just to not listen to that voice and just to keep saying like, I'm going to continue my artwork and I have faith and believe in myself. And now, you know, 27 
years later, I'm, I'm still doing artwork. So I feel like it was the right choice for me just to, like I say, develop the life that I wanted, which was just trap, you know, traveling, making art, spending time with my loved ones. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that that's the interesting thing about art too, is because people are so critical. People are so critical and judgmental of, you know, of different types of art, but it's all really personal. It's all really, really personal. So how can, if it doesn't resonate with you, sure. You say this doesn't resonate with me, but, but there's no judgment of this is horrible or this is amazing. You know, I mean, even, even, and even when I go to art museums, because I travel a lot like you, that's where we met. Um, we travel a lot. We are exposed to lots of different, you know, types of people, cultures, art, architecture, um, you know, beauty all around the world. <clears throat> and when I when I go to different museums and I say, yeah, that I'm not drawn to that. And that's that's why I think it's so fascinating, because it's really like it's very personal. It's very much where your own energy is and. Because I I feel like, I feel like it's this really beautiful, like spiritual conversation between you and the, and the piece. It's like your boat, your souls are speaking to one another. Well, exactly. And a little bit of background about how art was viewed before we started having these big blockbuster shows that museum and galleries were doing to try to compete with all all the other media that's out there. Right. Uh So, you know, Disney movies, where it used to be that people will go to an art museum and they would sit down and just have an hour experience with the piece. Mm-hmm. And I also love observing artwork that way, where I allow myself just to sit down and have time and experience this piece that I'm drawn to. And I think that the more time you spend with a piece of artwork, the more it's going to speak to you, the more you're going to get out of it. And it's a little bit of a disservice that we've gotten to this point where, you know, museums feel like they have to do these big blockbuster shows where they're just kind of speeding people through the exposition to see these big shows. It's almost Um, like a, it's almost like a fast food, you know, like just get them through. Right. And that was not originally the intent because I remember once I read that even during, uh, you know, World War One and Two in Europe, that, you know, they were, didn't want all these beautiful pieces to be bombed. So they were putting them, the art institutions and museums were putting them in storage. Uh-huh. And the people said, no, you have to give us one piece of artwork. We at least have to have one piece of artwork up. So it just shows you how important it was that people wanted to go to a museum during these stressful times and just really be able to tune out everything that's going on and just have an experience with this piece of artwork. Mm-hmm. So do you do this? with your own piece, with your own pieces, after you finish one, are you, do you like sit with the piece? What's your experience of the piece after your process with the piece? Well, I'm so fortunate because every time I come into my studio, I'm, I'm just surrounded by my pieces. And there have been um, a few pieces that I've kept for my own personal collection that uh-huh. I just felt like, um, were so meaningful for me and were about a specific memory 
or something that happened. And those pieces I do keep in my personal collection at home. I'm also very, very fortunate because I do know so many artists. I've been able to kind of collect a lot of artwork from my artist friends. And I just feel like it's such a privilege and like every time I see the artwork in my own condo, I'm just like, I can't believe I have these beautiful piece in my house. I just feel so grateful. Yeah. I, I, I want to come visit. (laughs) I want to come visit your studio. I want to see, yeah, I want to see your work. I mean, it's so beautiful. (laughs) I, I resonate with you, obviously. I mean, if I think that we should tell a little story about how we met (laughs) this synchronistic meeting of how we connected This is the thing that, um, you know, the universe puts people in your space for some particular reason. So do you want to tell the little story about how we met? Yeah, sure. So um, we are both flight attendants uh, based out of New York, but both are commuters. I commute to Boston via flights. And so I was supposed to, after my trip was done, I was supposed to get on a commuter flight from JFK to Boston. And, you know, I had been a flight attendant for 20 years. I've never left a bag on the aircraft. And I was very rushed to try to get over to Delta's terminal to get on this flight. Never left a bag. Everyone's gone. I have to find a mechanic to go down to the aircraft to get me this bag. And then I was like, I missed my commuter flight home. I'm going to have to take a taxi over to LaGuardia to try to get back to Boston. And we ended up being paired in the same taxi and immediately started talking about spirituality and synchronicity. And it was like, we were meant literally to meet that day. I, I just love these stories because I think that, um, and, and people don't really understand um, a flight attendant lifestyle is very crazy. It's very, you know, it's very uncontrollable it's very uncontrollable. It's you know, like you have to have so much flexibility and openness, you know, because if anybody ever, if anybody's ever flown, you know, you can't control when, when the flight leaves, when the flight arrives, how, you know, what happens if there's a, me- a mechanic, mechanical issue or, you know, people on the airplane. I mean, all of these things, you have this crazy sort of, uh, it's just a crazy lifestyle anyways, but because of this lifestyle, you know, we get to do these things that we love to do. We get to follow our passions and pursue our dreams like you with your art and me with my podcast and my, you know, I mean, this is, this is how I was able to go back to school and get my master's degree so that I could become a licensed professional counselor and do this work that I do in the world, even on an airplane, a lot of times, I'm still a therapist on the airplane (laughs) with both coworkers and passengers. Yeah. Um, But it's like, it's like all of these synchronistic meetings and how the universe like weaves its energetic web around us and creates these kind of beautiful connections um, that, You know, they may be for a moment, they may be for a season or a lifetime, you don't know, but it's like, 
I always feel when I meet somebody like you, it's like this beautiful reflection of God creator source. And right. Yeah. And so it's just like, I am witnessing your own sacredness and your own divinity through your person, your person, as well as through your beautiful artwork. Right. Yeah. I feel the same way. I just feel so grateful because, you know, not only am I able to travel the world to, you know, like you said, experience different architecture, different food, different people, but to also go to these amazing museums all across the world. Yeah. Like while being paid to be in the city. And it also has really afforded me also the time off to be in Boston to continue my art career. Right. Yeah, we have this really amazing balance of living this incredible life that we create. Well, exactly. And that's what I always say is that, you know, I, all I ever wanted to do was to travel, make art and spend time with the loved ones that I'm close to. And mm-hmm. I was literally, I feel so grateful every single day. I just have gratitude that I was able to build that life, the life that I want. Mm-hmm. Where do you, where do you see yourself in another year, five years? Like, do you have a sort of a big vision of how you want your life to unfold? Yeah, I want to, you know, continue to make art and sell here in Boston. My long-term goal is at some point to have my own gallery that focuses more on underrepresented artists, uh, like, for example, women and artists of color. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that is a long-term goal at some point. But I see, you know, I'm so grateful every day. So if I can continue along this path, I'll be happy. Mm. So you have your, you have your big installation coming up whenever you finish the next five pieces you said? I have three left in the series. Three left in the series. Do you have ideas already about, do you have a a vision? Like, do, do you start with an idea or do you start with a color or do you start with a, a feeling? How, how do you start each piece? I guess I just allow my artistic intuition and the flow to kind of happen. And these first two pieces that I did, I feel like they are a bit of a darker palette. So mm-hmm. I feel like the last three pieces, I kind of want to move from a darker palette to a lighter palette. And I also feel like that's active of how, what we're going through right now, where things are a little bit dark, but now we're moving, you know, to where things are hopefully going to get a little bit better. Um, so I want to maybe lighten up the palette just a little bit to like reflect that change. Um, mm-hmm. Not that these are dark because they are based on spirituality, but the darker palette kind of moving from dark to light during uh-huh. the progression of the series. Uh-huh. Yeah, you, you're definitely going to have your own gallery. I hope so. Yeah, that is a long-term goal. I would love that. Yeah, that would be amazing because you're so talented and you're, you have this really beautiful um, spirit. I don't know, John, did John just change the lighting on you because the light on you just went, I don't know if he did that Uh, I think. or is it coming through the windows? It's the New England sunset is reflecting on the building. The clouds have dissipated. Ah. (laughs) And light happening. <laughs> well, it's so funny because you were talking about that. And then it just like, it was just like these angels singing. Wah! 
I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't happen often in Boston, but when Heather speaks, it typically does. <laughs> He's a so, good friend. <laughs> yeah. Very sweet. We're going to meet someday too, John. I, I feel, I feel a trip to Paris coming on. <laughs> that would be fantastic. My bags are ready. <laughs> and a trip to Boston for me, for sure, because I definitely want to experience your art face to face because I resonate with it so much. Just, you know, just from here and looking at your website, it's like, it just is so, you know, I just feel so, I don't know what I feel. <laughs> I just well, thank feel you. I mean, that's the soul goal. resonance. Yeah. 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 It's like I want people to come into my studio also, you know, to feel like that kind of tranquility and calmness that I'm going for in my pieces. Mm-hmm. But I also want people to really connect with the piece. Like I said, that I believe that each piece is meant for someone. Mm-hmm. And it is so fun when someone comes in and is just completely drawn to the piece. And it's like, whether, you know, if they can afford it and take it home that day or whether they continue to support me by sharing my work on social media and bringing other people into the gallery. It's so fulfilling when you see someone that is really connecting with your work and is having an experience. with. Yeah. It's really beautiful. So Heather, I, I always ask my guests, um, how do you define real love? because my podcast is called Wake Up to Real Love. And it's really about your own sense of, you know, how you how you have discovered love in your life and in your relationships through your own journey and transformation. So, you know, I know art is a huge, huge part of your own journey and transformation. So how do you define real love? Wow. Well, that's a great question. I think real love is anything that's authentic and isn't based on somebody wanting you to do something to earn that love. Mm. So everyone's have good days and bad days. So whether, so on that bad days, you know, I think authentic real love is for the people that always show up for you, um, who always listen, you know, that kind of Unconditional love that you get from your parents and that your family. Um, and I'm so fortunate to have so many amazing friends like John and um, other friends that are helping me do social media and, you know, helping editing some of the art proposals that I've had. So I just think that kind of authentic, non-judgmental, I'll take you any way that you are. That's real love. That's beautiful. So how do, how do people find your art and find you? Uh, well, my website is always up to date, um, heatherbeekler.com. I know the last name is spelled a little bit crazy. I'm also on literally every single form of social media. Oh, John just handed me a little card. Can you show it a little closer? Mm-hmm. There you go. There we go. You're Vanna White. <laughs> there we go. There we go. And I'm pretty much on all social media. Most of my social media is just me posting artwork, talking about art, doing art videos. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to, I don't, I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've followed you on Instagram. I know I I'm Facebook friends with you. Um, and I have your website and just like in awe, (laughs) in awe. Um, 
But if there's anything that I can do, you know, besides this podcast to help promote you, I mean, I, I will definitely share your work because it really touches me and, you know, deep in my heart and soul. And um, it's really beautiful. Like your art is a beautiful expression of you. Oh, well, thank you. I love that. And, you know, that's the whole point is when people really connect to your work. Like that, that's why artists are doing this. We're not making just a bunch of art, you know, that is not authentic or real. So that's the ultimate goal is that when people connect to your work. Yeah. And that, and that too, you know, like, you know, whatever those jerks that said, your art is la la la, you know, it's like, well, just because you're not spiritually connected like me, <laughs> then perhaps exactly. that's why you don't resonate with my work. And so just That's very point. Yes. So not to take those kind of things personally, you know, it's just one person's opinion. And and I feel like especially for artists, even though, you know, as a dancer, of course I performed. I performed a lot. Um, but and so in your performance, you you are putting it out there for other people to witness, but it's still your experience of your own art. So wow. you're only doing it for yourself. Right. Because, because this is the way that your soul wants to express itself. So in whatever way, you know, for all of the listeners that are listening, there's, there are creative things inside of you, whether it's not, you know, typical like art, music, dance. Um, but there are so many different ways to express all of these aspects of yourself and so I think like your artwork you know it's just like throw the black line on the canvas right just yeah. do something and something you'll be inspired to do something else I mean this is what I feel like that that this helps people heal this help people this helps people heal their own senses of insecurities or self-doubts or anxieties you know like especially during this time so many things have come up where we feel afraid or insecure or uncertain because we don't know what's going to happen but right. art art or any type of creative outlet is a way for you to express what's going on inside of you as as a way to get it out of your body and out in the world whether or right. not any whether or not anybody sees it that's not the point it's just to get it outside of you so that um i don't so that you feel uh, like a release right yeah it's actually it's totally just an expression of how you know what you're feeling, the place that you're at, anything that you need to get out. And, you know, even if I wasn't, if I didn't have this wonderful situation where I have this amazing studio in an art district of Boston, I would still make art no matter what, because like you said, it is part, part of it is for me and my expressing myself. And then, you know, I'm fortunate enough that people do connect to my artwork mm -hmm. and I am in this amazing area of Boston that is, you know, there's three floors of gallery studios mm. where working artists are here working. And then there's two other floors that have all the galleries in Boston. 
So it's so great because we have become a really important art area in Boston. And whether you connect to my work or somebody else's in the building, there's so many wonderful, talented artists in this building. So if anyone that gets a chance in Boston to come, we're at 450 Harrison Avenue in the SOA Art District of Boston. And it's just a really amazing experience to come when the artists have their studios open for First Fridays or most of the Sundays over the summer, because there's a really amazing outdoor farmer's market that's outside of our studio on Sundays. Uh So I feel so lucky that I have this space to show my work. And even though right now there aren't a lot of different gallery shows and spaces, right? because we can't have people, you know, out and about, but once that we can have that again, you know, it's like, I love going to group shows and gallery openings. It's just, I'm, I'm so fortunate. I think it would be super fun and interesting to hang out with all artists. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They're, you know, artists are, you know, we are very, um, at least most of the artists that I know we're very, you know, intuitive, um, empathetic, sensitive people. I think that guides a lot of artists in this building. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you have different ways of seeing the world because, because you, right. because you not only see the world, you feel the world. Oh, wow. That, yes, that is very true. <laughs> yeah. So that's what, I mean, that's, that's why we resonate because I feel the world as well. Right. So, I feel you, Heather. And I feel you too, John. Thanks. <laughs> So thank you so much for being here. It's been such an honor to have you. And, um, and I do hope that I see you in Boston real soon. Yes. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I would love for you to visit. I love anyone that's watching this to come visit. I really right up the street. So anyone that ever wants to do a studio visit, please contact me. I love talking about artwork. I love having people in my studio. So please reach out. Yeah. So, um, you know, Heather, you're a beautiful example of how to take, combine your spiritual, you know, it's like your spirit comes through you into your art. And that's why I think you have such an amazing gift. So keep painting. I know you will. <laughs> Thank, know you. You will. Thank you. And yeah, for that's, it. you know, the whole to make something, to send light and love out into the universe and to make something that someone finds beautiful and connects with it. Yeah. So thank you for the, for the work that you do. Thank you for all of the feelings that you express on the canvas. And uh, for all of you listeners, you know, find your creative expression as a way to deal with your own emotions, as a way to connect with your spirit, as a way to feel your way into the world and, and express, you know, learn to express these unexpected, unexplored parts of yourself it's really a beautiful self-discovery tool exactly and you know it's also really fun to watch artists careers progress Uh over a big time because I think if you look at the work that I was doing in my 20s and then the work I was doing in my 30s and all the work that I'm doing now there's been quite a big evolution evolution of course to this point of course it's like all of your you know, all of your previous experiences help you become who you are in this moment. And then it's this constant evolution, this constant unfolding, like, oh, I wonder what's next. Right. 
Yeah. So very fortunate. Yeah. So you have, you have a lot of what's next for you, Heather. Uh, Yes, I do. (laughs) You do. So thank you everybody for listening. Um, If you feel like you know somebody who would benefit from this conversation, please subscribe to the wake up to real love podcast and share with your friends. And, um, the thing that I, that I say at the end of every podcast is the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one with yourself, the one you have with yourself, because all of this, all of this expression and all of these feelings and all of the things that you're trying to deal with um, help you, you know, become more self-aware and create better relationships. And so that you have this sense of you know, feeling loved and accepted within yourself so that you can share your own light and love, you know, with your other intimate partners, close relationships, loved ones, and just out in the world. That's so true. You have to love yourself first to be able to send that out and be helpful for others. Yeah. So thank you so much, Heather, for being here. It's been really, really a gift. Yeah. So thanks listeners every day, wake up to more and more real love. Take care. We'll see you next time. Bye. Subscribe to the wake up to real love podcast, leave five-star reviews. And of course, share with your friends. You can find Dawn on various social media platforms at Dawn Richard or at the awakening with Dawn.